Um, listen, today I just want to encourage you before we dive off into this to not, um, to not just sit back today and go, well, you know, we're going to sing some songs, we're going to take communion, and somebody's going to preach to us. But I would encourage you today go to literally in your own heart, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? Because I think he has something significant to say to some people. And, um, you, you know, I just encourage you just to grab a hold of it, okay? And, and I will say this, what I'm going to talk about today is not a, it's not a popular topic in the church. And, um, you know, I will say this, some things that aren't popular are the things that's going to get you the furthest. All right? Because nobody likes hard things, right? So uh, just buckle up, open your heart, let's receive it by faith today, and let's let Jesus do what he does best. Amen? And let's change our lives. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, we're a people that believe it wholeheartedly. And so, Lord, today, just wake us up, God. Wake us up to what you're doing. Father, thank you that even what you said in Revelation, God, you said that he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And so, Lord, today, we choose not to hear with the ears that are strapped to our head, but, God, the ears that are lodged in our spirit. And so, Lord, today, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for just shaking us up today and, God, getting our attention. And, uh, and Lord, just encourage us where we need to be encouraged. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the anointing. Holy Spirit, come and teach today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we say amen? amen. Listen, y'all are going to have to meet me today in the middle, all right? Meet me today in the middle. Help me out. Listen, today uh, we're going to jump right into the eighth part of our current series uh, that we've entitled Foundations. Now, uh, most of you guys know that the, the core scripture we've been using in this series is Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Uh, but I want to take a step back. I didn't want to say this weeks ago. Uh, you, you know, I kind of waited for the right moment to say this. Uh, but to kind of give you a little bit of context sake of why uh, what we all know is this book of Hebrews of kind of why it was written. Obviously, it wasn't a book. It was a letter. And, uh, and that letter was written uh, basically before 770 uh, A.D. And it was written to a, a group of Jewish believers who were absolutely struggling in their faith. And, and, you know, and I don't mean that these guys were uh, you know, having a, a, an off day or a bad week. I mean, these guys were literally wavering if they made the right decision or not to convert from Judaism to Christianity. In fact, uh, history tells us that these guys were wavering so bad that, they, that some of them were actually contemplating walking away from Christ. Walking away from Christianity and returning to Judaism. And, and that's why when you look at the book of Hebrews, you see this theme of that, that Jesus came to bring a better covenant, right? And that's why there's this whole mode of faith in there because these guys needed it. So, so listen, so basically the main purpose of this letter was basically to encourage these guys uh, to just keep on fighting, to stay the course. He was trying to encourage them in, in this sense to say, look, you made the right decision. And, and I feel like today that, you know, somebody in here will know who it is. You need to know today that you made the right decision. Amen. That you, when, when you left whatever you left to come to Christ, you made the right decision. Stay the course. Hang in there and, and grab a hold of God and you're going to make it. Amen. I mean, so, but listen, right in the middle of this, uh, of this encouraging letter, it's like you come to the, the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, and, and, and here's the writer of Hebrews. He slides in this word of correction. You, you know, it's just such classic leadership. We're going to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. We're going to kick you in the butt, and then we're going to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. It's perfect, right? So right in the middle of this, he just gives them a swift kick in the butt, and he corrects them. And here's what he corrects them on, or we, we can even use this word, what he rebuked them on, is he rebuked them for not being further along or more mature in their faith. Yes? He said, look, he said, look, in fact, if you look there in, in chapter five, he says, by now you ought to be. In other words, man, you've been at this so long, but you are nowhere near where you're supposed to be at. And then let, let, let me just maybe say it this way. 
He, he didn't. He didn't do it like this. He, you, you know, sometimes my wife, God bless you, will, will tell me, "Hey, hey, here, here's what you're doing wrong." But she doesn't stop with, "Hey, you're doing this wrong." She begins to tell me why what I'm doing is wrong. Right. So, so, so here it is. The writer of Hebrews isn't just saying, "Look, you, you know, you, you need to pick it up," but he begins to tell them why their spiritual growth isn't up to par. And, and he began to say this. He began to say that it was due to the fact that they had not taken the time. Somebody say time. Taking the time to what to learn or to establish themselves in the elementary or the foundation teachings of Christ. And in essence, he was saying this and do not miss this today. He was saying, gang, foundations are meant to be built upon. Hear that in Jesus name, that foundations are meant to be built upon. And because you haven't taken the time to lay one, you have stunted your spiritual growth. In fact, he's saying that you, you know what, that you stunned your growth to the point that you're still a spiritual infant in this. And until you square away your foundation, you're not going to go any further. How's that for an encouraging letter? Right. You, you know, basically he's saying this, so I can give you a picture and I've said this to you before, but, but, you know, if, if we've been. If we've been um, in this thing for a while and we're still rolling around in diapers and mommy's still feeding us, right? It, you, you know, let, here, let me help you out in a little bit different way. Let, let's say that we took, a, we took a 37-year-old man and we roll over to his mama's house because he still lives in the basement, right? And, and, and every time, listen, he wants some food, he just cries. He can't talk. He just cries. I need some food, right? And mommy comes feeds him. Uh, mommy, I pooped in my pants, changed my diaper. Right? How many of you guys know, and I'm not belittling anyone that's physically in that spot, but just, just how many of you guys know if someone's there that that's an indicator that there's a problem? Yes? And, uh, you, you know, it's kind of the same thing. That's what he's saying to these guys. He's saying, guys, you've been at this thing a while and you're still in diapers. Yeah? So let, let, me, maybe, let me maybe kind of present it in another way. Um, let's say that one of us desired to go to Harvard University. Great aspirations. But before, guess what? We're trying to get into Harvard. Let me say this. We're trying to get into Harvard without first taking the time to learn how to read, to learn how to write, and to learn basic arithmetic. How many of you guys know that it's impossible to enter into a higher level of education until you get down to the basics? Yes, it's the same thing in the spirit, right? Same thing in the kingdom of God. Until we get down the basics, we'll never mature into firm believers or strong believers. Amen? Amen. Listen, actually this morning while I were praying, I was uh, reminded of a story that I read one time. And it was uh, in the story, it talked about a a group of tourists that were uh, viewing a picturesque village. And it's just like this in this beautiful place. And as and as the tourists are walking basically through the village, there was an old man that was sitting by a fence. And and one of the uh, one of the tourists asked in a real patronizing way to the tourist guide, were there any great men born in this village? Like in a real snotty way. And the old man replied, nope, only babies. <laughs> so here's, here's my encouragement to you today. Listen, we all start at the same place. We all start the same place, but it's up to us that, that literally there comes a time in our life that yes, we come, we come sit in church and we, and we take spiritual milk. What is spiritual milk? It's revelation that someone else has already processed and they have to give us. You follow me? But there comes a time where that's fine, but then there comes a time where I still have that, but I also know how to go in my own private time and to dig in the Word of God and get the meat for myself. Amen? Yes, that I know how to feed myself. Yes? 
Listen, I guess there could be a subtitle today. Um, there's a book that David Ravenhill wrote years ago. It just simply titled this, For God's Sake, Grow Up. Amen. Notice not for your sake, but for God's sake. Grow up, because the kingdom needs you. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Good start. So let's, let's go to uh, our foundational scripture. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We've read this week after week after week. We're going to read it again. It says this. says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. Somebody say elementary. He says, basically, elementary teachings or principles of Christ. Let us go into perfection. Let's move on to maturity, not laying in the foundation. So watch this. Here's the elementary school of faith. All right. Number one, repentance from dead works. In other words, if we understand these things, this is our uh, that the three R's reading, writing and arithmetic, even though they don't all start with R's. I don't get that. All right. So repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, notice the plural Four, laying on of hands. Number five, resurrection of the dead. Number six, eternal judgment. Now, we have talked about the first four of that group. Now, what I want to do for the next couple of weeks, I want to condense resurrection of the dead. And uh, eternal judgment, and I want to combine it into one category or one subject, and that subject is simply this. It's eternity. It's eternity. It's eternity, eternity, eternity. I, 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 this keeps coming to my mind, so I'm going to share it. Um, there's, there's a minister that I know. I recently heard him say that he went to a nation... And when he got to the nation, he was he was going to do a pastor's conference, and, and he was thinking that there was going to be a small group of pastors there. He showed up. There was like 3,500 pastors at it. And uh, and he found out that in the middle of, of the conference that there was over 300,000 people in the church. Okay? 300,000. That's a lot of people, yeah? Yeah? 300,000 people. And so he thought that, man, you know, they're sitting there. He's sitting there with a few of the, the guys that are kind of the head of this thing. And he's thinking that, man, these guys, uh, you know, they've been must, they must have been going it for years and years and years. In other words, this is a generational thing that's passed and passed and passed. So he asked, he said, how long have you guys been doing this? What's the story? And he found out that 16 years ago that this church started with a guy. And in 16 years, they went from that to 300,000. He asked, what did they do? And he said in his heart, he was expecting that they were going to say it was small groups. And, and the guy said, the guy said this. He said, uh, here's the difference between us and you Americans. He said, basically, here we teach people about eternity. And there you guys just focus on today and your needs today. That's the difference. We teach our people to live for there, not here. Are you all with me today? So grab a hold of that. Amen. All right. So the first uh, verse I would like to share with you today that pertains to eternity is a very well-known scripture, but it's Genesis 126. Genesis 126 says this, says, Then God said, Let us make or let us create, let us fashion man, what we know as mankind, in our what? Come on, say it like you mean today. Image, all right? Let's create man in our image according to our likeness. Now, some of you guys are probably sitting here going, Pastor, what in the world does us being created in the image of God have anything to do with eternity? I want you to know today that it has everything to do with it. Absolutely everything to do with it. Let me explain to you. The Bible makes it very clear that God is an eternal being. We see this in verses like this. We see it in Psalms 90, verse 2. It says that God's from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Revelations 1, 8 says God is the one who was, who is, and is to come. Isaiah 9, 6 calls him the father of eternity. 1 Timothy 1, 17 calls him the king of eternity. So I don't know about you, but when I see verses like that, 
uh, I automatically, we all automatically understand that, guess what, that only God can be God. Yes, only God can be God because he alone has those distinct attributes and distinct qualities that ultimately make him the one true God. But it doesn't change the fact, guys, that God in his infinite wisdom chose to reproduce some of who he is inside of us when he created us in his image. Amen. So which kind of brings us to this point. Because we are created in the image of God, because we were created to resemble God, to reflect God, to be a replica of him. Guess what? We were created for eternity as well. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Listen, in other words, this that you and I were born with eternal life already connected to our spiritual DNA. It's good news. Listen, with, with that in mind, I want to share two verses with you, and I'm trying to go quick on purpose today. Two verses. The first one is this. is Ecclesiastes 3.11. It said, God. Remember, that's the guy that created us in his image. God has placed or he has put what? Eternity. Say it. Come on. Yeah, now we're talking. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. What an awesome scripture, right? In other words, once again, there's the spiritual DNA we have. So with that in mind, look at what Job said in chapter 36, verse 26. It says, no one can begin to understand eternity. Isn't that so true? See, here's the point I want to make to you. On one hand, we can't wrap our brains around this thing called eternity. If you, you know, it's like this. For lack of a better term, if this monitor was the beginning of time and this monitor is the end of time, that this thing called eternity is the thing that encompasses time, right? And it's like we can't understand that. And and we can't understand that one day that we're going to be here because we live in time for X amount of period, right, days. And at some point in our life, time, whatever, we're going to step out of this into eternity. We don't get that. If you do, you impress me. But I don't get it. Do you get it? So, so here's this thing. Once again, we can't wrap our heads around it. While on the other hand, there's something in our heart that tells us there's got to be more to this life than the number of days that we live here on this planet. Amen. So listen, I don't know about you, but to me, it seems like most people, um, they live with 70, 80, and 90 years in their mind. That that's literally the lens that they view their life from. It's not only the lens they view their life from. That's what they plan. They plan as that. When I turn 65, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to draw my check. Right? Or I'm going, to, I'm going to save up, and here's how we're going to retire. Is that not true? It's like that's the way people think. But yet, here's the Bible is, and by the way, nothing's wrong with any of that. Um, but the Bible teaches us that we need to view this life as nothing more than what? A vapor. The Bible also says that life is like a piece of grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. But to put it plainly, all throughout Scripture, you see this theme that God says this, that you need to live for eternity and not just for today. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to tell you why it's so important that we live for eternity. I just want to tell you why it's so important that we live for eternity. And then I want to tell you what we can expect when the moment that we step out of this thing called time and we step into eternity, what we should expect at that moment. Thank God Jesus let us know. Amen. We're not going in this thing blind. So first one here. Why is it important that we live with eternity in mind? This answer is really simple. And, I, and I'm going to maybe preface it with this. Uh, Christians get uncomfortable with this. And I'm going to tell you, we shouldn't be uncomfortable with this. Okay. And I will say this, and, and I, I'm all for grace. But you can you can do this. I've said this so I'm blue in the face. But, but you know, you can have 
you know, truth, 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 or holiness, however you want to word it, we'll say holiness, and, and you can fall in the ditch. Or you can have grace, 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 and you can fall in the ditch of that too. The, the, God's both. He came to reveal truth and grace. Okay, so today we have all kinds of grace around here. We, we preach grace stuff a lot, the love of God. So today we're going to talk about a little bit of truth. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. So, so why is it important? The answer is really simple. Look at this first, Hebrews 9.27. It says, and just as each person, get that, each person. So it's talking about believers and unbelievers. Okay? Is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. There's the answer. Why do we need to live with eternity in mind? Because there's going to come a day when our number's pulled, and we're going to have a day of judgment. Amen? L- listen, when, you know, I feel like I need to say this. I'm going to say it. There's Christians that go, you know, well, that's not us. Jesus paid it all. Yes and no. Because watch the next verse here, Second Corinthians 5.10. And you'll, you'll, you'll just hang in there with me and you'll get what I mean. This is Corinthians 5.10. And, and obviously, who is the Apostle Paul writing to? The Corinthian church. So he's writing to Christians. It says, and we must all, everybody say all, all, believers and unbelievers, stand before Christ to be what? Judge. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or, remember this both, evil we have done in this earthly body. Sobering, huh? All right, so we're all on the same page, and so we don't leave here thinking scared to death of the word judgment. Here's what judgment simply means. This will ease you out a little bit. Judgment means this. It means a decision resulting from an investigation. A decision resulting from an investigation. So when the word judgment comes up in the Bible, it doesn't always mean some hammer's getting dropped. It just simply means that there's investigation taking place. That's it. Are you all with me today? So the first phase of this investigation that will take place the moment we step out, of, step out of time and step into eternity, the first phase of this investigation will be determined by what we did with the gospel. Did we believe it or not? Now watch this. The Bible tells us that once that piece of the investigation is done, that we are divided into two groups. Okay, and uh, we'll read it later, probably in a few weeks, but it's sheep and goats, but we'll just say it like this, that it's unbelievers and believers. It's those people who didn't believe the gospel and those who believe the gospel. So the first group right there, unbelievers, those guys, once they, once the uh, investigation takes place, they don't believe. There's a section that the unbelievers go and they will stand before the great white throne of judgment at that Judgment there, that's when the, uh, the other second phase of the investigation will commence and those guys will receive their eternal punishment. Are y'all with me? For us that believe that in the, in the gospel, for us to believe what Jesus has done, guess what? We come and we go to the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says that we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that the second part of that investigation uh, will basically uh, commence. And guess what happens? There we will receive eternal rewards. Watch this. So investigation splits us, and then investigation determines our eternal judgments. Remember, we read in Hebrews chapter 6, one of the doctrines is eternal judgment. I want to stress, everybody look here, please. I want to stress to you the word eternal, eternal, final unchanging. Okay, it, it, when you hit that spot, the investigation takes place, it ain't nothing's changing. 
You're not going to be, you know, X amount of time, even though it's not there in eternity, and God's going to change his mind. No, what you got is what you got. Yes, it is an eternal decision, eternal judgment. All right, so what should we expect in the second phase of this investigation? In other words, when we're split off, what's the second part? What should we expect? There's four factors in this. I want to give it to you. Number one, four factors in God's judgment. Number one, God judges according to our works. God judges according to our works. Let me read a verse to you. Revelation 20, verse 12. The Apostle John says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their what? To their works. By the thing which were written, get that, by the thing which were written in the books. And the dead were judged according to their works by the thing which was written in their books. So I want to stress something here, kind of give you a thought. When we hear the word works there, what we don't need to do is we don't need to limit that just simply to our action, to what people see and what they don't see. Uh, because the Bible makes it really clear that God's uh, judgment or his investigation will take into account our actions, our words, our motives, our secret thoughts, and even the intentions of our heart. Are you all with me today? So let me, let me maybe say this to you just for sake, okay? The, the Apostle John talks about receiving a full reward. Watch this. So in other words, here we are. We, we, it, the investigation takes place, and we are uh, basically determined, yep, we're a believer. Second part, yep, we get our rewards. Now, you've got to understand what the, what the Apostle, uh, Apostle John is saying there is that at this point, there's a possibility of full rewards. Now, if it uses the word full, then that means there's got to be a partial are you following me? Now, what determines that full reward or that possible reward is the investigation that will be made on our actions, our words, our motives, our secret thoughts, and even our attentions. Yes? And I will show you this in a minute when we go to 1 Corinthians 3, that there's a way, guess what, that you can enter here full or you can enter here with nothing except the saving grace. Are you all following me today? Listen, some theologians, and I want to I point out one part of this to you, okay, and I'm not going to... Um, I'm just going to say some theologians say this, but that last part there, it says, by the thing which were written in the books. I read a few times, by the thing which were written in the books, that some theologians believe that we are actually going to be judged or investigated on uh, not who we were, but who we were called to be. Are you following me? So I, I, re, I remember, to put it plainly, I remember hearing uh, a certain speaker, uh, a pastor that I know, he said this. He, he was painting this picture, and he said, basically like God calling someone up to the throne, uh, you know, basically for the judgment piece here. And, and he called this, he said, Evangelist Jones. And the guy came and said, do, 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 do you mean Pastor Jones? And how God may said, no, I called you to be an evangelist, but because of fear and security and all these things, you decided to be a pastor instead of who I actually called you to be. And I'm going to judge you according to who I called you to be, not what you try to fulfill in your own flesh. Are you all following me today? So, so there's this piece that's really this. I can just leave it at this, that we will be judged according to our obedience to the will of God for our life. Sobering, Yes. Yes. So the kind of tag in with that, 
Once again, what some theologians believe, they also believe that we're going to be judged according to our involvement in building the kingdom of God. Our involvement. And once again, that just goes back to our obedience to what we were called to be, called to do. In other words, it's this. What do we do with the talents that God gave us? Right? That at that point, guess what? We are going to be judged according to our involvement in doing what? In helping the kingdom of God grow. Helping uh, to fulfill the will of God and the purpose of God on this planet. Amen? So, and the last thing there is this, is that, is that uh, we'll even be judged according to how we have influenced people. How we have influenced people. We, we, you know, we've all met uh, Christians that, uh, that are great influencers for the kingdom of God and ones that really embarrass the kingdom of God. We've all met them, right? We, we've all met those people that, that after they walk away, you, you lean in and you go, we're not all like that. Yes? So, so, so you, you know, here, I'll just give you the sense that, that I, one of the number one reasons why I heard people don't want to go to church in the last 20 years that I've been saved, they say this, there's too many hypocrites there. That's what they're saying. Those people are bad influences for the kingdom of God. Yes, so we will be judged according to our influence with our spouse, our influence with our children, our influence with the coworkers, our family, our church, all those things. In other words, God cares how you carry yourself. He cares about that. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So the first one there is that God judges according to our works. Number two, God judges without partiality. Without partiality. Um, The reason I want to stress this is because I've heard people over the years say this. Well, God knows my heart. Exactly. (laughs) That's the point, isn't it? That he knows your heart. And, And so, you know, but people say that as if somehow God's going to let them slide a little bit because bless their heart. Right. And uh, but but the Bible says clearly in Romans two eleven, for there is no partiality with God. The Bible says in several areas, I, I do feel like I need to throw this in there. Um, there is one there is one distinct difference. And it's this It's to those who have been called to preach the gospel. They'll be doubly judged. So l- let me say this to you guys. This may not be to anybody or maybe for one here today. Uh, for you guys that that long to have an opportunity be careful what you ask for. Make sure it's Jesus and not you. Please. Because I'll tell you what, that is the thing that probably scares me more than anything. I've known that I'll be judged according to every word that I've ever said here, right? And everything I've ever taught. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, all of it hasn't been accurate. Right? Because as I've grown in the Lord, I, you just learn, well, that was really stupid and that was really wrong. Because the closer you get to Him, the, the more you learn, right? So anyways, all right, here we go. So basically that God's not a God of partiality. This simply means that God doesn't have an unfair bias in favor of one person over another. You, you know, there's that old saying, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. We're all equal in the eyes of God, right? So, so listen, as, as people, I think we have a hard time understanding this because if we like to admit it or not, uh, we often base our judgments or our opinions or our investigations of people of external things like race, religion, Right. People's professions their social status their physical appearance, their wealth, their talent, their education. But but God's judgment, on the other hand, is not influenced or altered by any of those things. Any of them. So so I have a verse today for you, and I just want you to jot it down. And, and, and we need to heed this verse. OK, we need to heed it. That means we need to take some consideration. Listen to it. All right. Bring it to heart. First Peter, chapter one, verse 15 through 17. It says, But as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all, in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. He's writing to Christians. And it's not a fear that I'm scared of God like he's some mean father, but there's this reverence. I'm saying, man, he is holy. Yes? You know, we forget that sometimes. Man, we come in his presence. Man, it's not fun and games. He's holy. You know, people that make fun of stuff that happens in church, scary. Scary, right? Let me, let me read a verse to you. I've, I've actually been wanting to read this verse to you for about... I don't know, probably six months, maybe even longer than that. If you have your Bible open there, uh, take a right. <sighs> Go to First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to encourage some of you people here today. Chapter 4, verse 12. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. If you're not there, say, hold up. All right, waiting on you. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Y'all ready? Here we go. It's not going to be on the screen. I want to I read this to you. When we talk about God's holiness, okay, I want, you, I want you to change the way you think a little bit. Because, listen, our culture is thinking very different. Okay? And, and good job. Here we go. You guys are amazing. It says this in, in verse 12. It says, let no one despise your youth. I told you there was encouragement in there. That's for all of you, right? It says, but be and what? An example to who? Watch this. Be an example to believers. Everybody look here, please, just for a second. Do you realize it's real easy to be an example to an unbeliever? Should be. But he's saying right here, hey, brother, hey, sis, you need to be an example to believers. In other words, the standard just went from here. Because that ain't hard to, to impress some unbeliever. It, trust me, it's not. Okay? But he's saying, hey, you need to come here. In other words, when you go to church, people need to look at you and go, wow. Man, they really walk with God. And not because you know how to put on the game and the fake and the show when you walk in the door, but just that it's authentic and real that you walk with him. Yes, now watch this. How should we be setting an example to believers? What areas? In our words? In our conduct, in our love, in our spirit, in faith, and in purity. Is that all right? In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Let me get real with you here, okay? And I've shied away this from this quite a while, probably too long. Um, do I talk like the world? You shouldn't. L- listen, that garbage that comes out of their mouth should not be coming out of your mouth. Are y'all hearing me? L- listen, I, I have a thing, and, 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 and I might make somebody mad right now, but it's all right. Okay? I love you. That's why I'm saying this. If we are Christian, uh, Christians who cuss, we got a problem. We got a problem. We have a problem. You, you know, the, in the Bible, in the Bible, there's this great story about Peter, and he is denying Christ three times. What is the way that he finally proves to the little girl that he is so afraid of that he doesn't walk with Jesus? The Bible says that he cusses. That he begins to talk like the world to prove I'm not with him. 
Are y'all following me? So li- listen, I remember, I remember being a senior in high school. I was just kind of flirting with Christianity, and and I remember, man, I, I there are some words I love to say that I will not utter here. Okay, and uh, and I remember being on my high horse one day in art class, and running my mouth because I'm a mouthy person, and, and running my mouth about how you know basically the F word wasn't in the Bible. You know, man created that, and it's all right if I want to say it. Right? And there was this kid named Dwayne Jett that I'll never forget. Straight hair, butt cut, about right here. Okay? <laughs> he looked at me, and he just said this. I don't even know if this dude went to church. All right? Really don't. And he just looked at me in, in such a, and received that. He just looked at me in a really just calm manner. He just said, Quentin, if Jesus was standing right here, would you say it? Point proven. With me? I, I'm a, uh, listen, listen, guys. I'm amazed at how we'll get with God in the presence of God. N- nobody gets there in the presence of God and they just, uh, this is effing good. <laughs> so, so listen, why do, you think, why do you think it's okay? Hopefully I'm not offending you. But why do you think that's okay for you to do that elsewhere? Because you're a carrier of God's spirit and he's in you. And your reflection of him. So listen, gang. Please stop. Please. Please. You, you, you know, if you have to say, pardon my French, you shouldn't say it. Because you don't speak French. <laughs> are, are, y'all, are y'all with me today? Please stop. You, you know, it, it's just this, guys. We're a billboard. And we're supposed to be a billboard of purity. Amen? Amen. So just if in your own time... Work through that scripture. I encourage you to just go, God, is there anything in my words? I mean, i got areas in my, in my mouth that I need to fix, too. Negativity. I need to fix it. So I'm not just, look, there's stuff in here for me, too. All right? In our, in our conduct, in our, in our love walk, uh, in, in our spirit, in, in our faith, are we the person that always doubts? Well, fix something. Right? If we're somebody that, that, that's man untainted, you know, or that's tainted, sorry, our heart's not pure, fix it. Just get with God. It's the only place to fix it. Amen? You know, there's a verse that that I really try to um, remind myself often, and you hear me pray it. But but we're uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking, and he simply says, "Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God." That's the goal. That's the goal. If there's anything that gets in the way of that, we got to remove it. Amen. All right, back on track. Amen. Here we go. So how can God remain impartial? Remember, he's, a, he's, a, he's an impartial judge. The reason he's impartial is number three, is because God judges according to the truth. God judges according to the truth. In other words, he doesn't uh, judge according to pop culture. That's popular culture. He doesn't judge according to what CNN says or Fox says. He, he doesn't judge what the media says. He doesn't even judge by what you think. He, he doesn't judge by what some college professor or some philosopher says. He judges according to the truth. Amen. The Bible says this in Romans 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Slide over verse 2. It says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Now, what is the truth based off of? This is so simple. The answer is found in John 17, 17. It simply says, your word, or I say word, is truth. What's that word? It's Genesis to Revelation. It's the Bible, gang. It's the Bible. That he judges according to the truth, which leads us to this. Number four, kind of already said it. God judges according to the word. 
God judges according to the word. Let me show you a profound scripture. John 12, 48 says, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Can't get more clear than that, can you? Says the word that I spoke on judgment last day. Have you guys made first Corinthians three yet? Now we're there. Here we go. Let me show you in just this idea here about the word of God judging us. Okay. Come on. Y'all smile at me. It's not that bad. Here we go. It says this in verse 11. It says for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It says in verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation, remember foundations are meant to be built upon, what can we build with? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. In other words, there's a distinction here. I've told you before, gold, silver, and precious stones. Those things are purified by fire, but yet you have wood, hay, and straw that are what? Burned up by fire, right? And, and, and I'll say this again, wood, hay, and straw is something that's really easy to find. Guess what? Gold, silver, precious stones. Uh, uh, rubies there or stones, they're, they're not hard to find. You got to dig. You got to press in. You got to go get that. Wood, hay, or straw, it's really easy. I can, send, I can send Jude, my four-year-old, out there to get some wood, hay, or straw. In other words, it's saying grow up, right? In other words, the grown-up stuff, okay? You need strength to go dig it out. And then it says here in verse 13, watch this. It says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What day are we talking about? We're talking about the day where you stand before the judgment seat of Christ or you stand before the great white throne of judgment right there. Okay. But in essence, it's really talking about Christians here. Okay. And it says this. It says, because it will be revealed by what? By fire and the fire. What's the fire? It's the word of God will test each one's work of what sort it is. Get that. The word of God will investigate your life. And it says, if anyone's work, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a what? A reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Y'all getting that? that? That there's, once again, it's talking about, once again, that there's a full reward. And then there's a, hey, you ain't got no reward. You just better be happy you're here. Amen. Are y'all okay? Yes. All right. We're almost done. So, so kind of in this point right here, that the word of God judges, you got to understand that the word of God is the final authority. It's the final authority. All judgment comes to the word of God. And that thing is uh, impartial. It's unchanging. And it's the standard that all of us one day will stand before and it will read us. Yes? Let, let, me, let me say this one verse, because we have this popular trend in the church that likes to pick and choose what they believe. And they think in their head that what they pick and choose is going to be what judges them. Incorrect. Let me show you what the, what the psalmist said in Psalms 119, 160. It says this. It says, the entirety. That'd be all of it. I'm from Alabama, but in Alabama, that means all of it, right? The entirety of your word is truth. All of it is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. All right. Let's close with this. I I want us to consider today, if there's a thought that I want you to walk away today and I want you to think about when you leave, the thought is simply this. is consider what would happen if we began to live our lives with eternity in mind and not just a mere 70, 80, 90 years in mind. How different would our lives be if we begin to live for eternity? Now, let me give you maybe an idea here so you can kind of grab a hold of what I'm talking about a little better. Let's say, by chance, this is very hypothetical, that you and I have the ability to live on this earth about 3,000 years. Okay? And let's say that uh, on our 20th birthday, 
somebody, every time, whatever your birthday was, somebody would show up and they would say this. They would say, we want you to know that how you live tomorrow, that that will determine, how you conduct yourself will determine the quality of your life mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually for the rest of the 3,000 years that you were here. Now, how many of us know that we would uh, bring our A game the next day? Yeah, I mean, we, well, we'd show up, right? We, 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 it's, it's like this. It's, it's, it, man, we'd put the best foot forward, right? We'd watch every word that we said. We would, we would, we would uh, watch our actions, man. You know, we'd go out of our way to be kind to people. Man, we'd be the greatest servant ever, right? Because why? Because, man, I, you know, I don't want to live in the dump, man. I want to I live good. Are y'all with me? So what I'm trying to tell you today is, obviously you get the scenario, y'all are smart people, is that this, if we could, if we could bring that example here to reality, that the next 70 to 80 to 90 years that we live on this earth, that will ultimately determine how we spend eternity. Yes, that vapor. Are y'all following me today? Let me leave you one more thought, okay? Are we all still good? Uh, years ago, when I, when I was 20 years old, a lot happened at that time, man. I refer to it a lot. <laughs> Woo, it was brutal. Um, but but it was when I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana. When I when I left Birmingham at uh, the, the week I turned twenty years old. When I left there, I left some really really good friends. I mean we I mean we prayed together, we fasted together. I mean we read the Bible together. I mean they, I mean these guys were uh, they were on point, right? And so. Anyways, so I went down there and I learned to let Jesus be my best friend and all that stuff, right? And so, anyway, so I was down there and I got a call one day from my buddies back home. His name is John Saborov. And, and John, uh, he said this. He said, Q, he said, I'm sending you something in the mail. It's a tape. And he said, when you get that, bro, I don't care what you're doing. You need to get out of the, way, get out of the room, get away from everybody. You need to put it in. And, bro, you need to get on your face. And you need to get ready to encounter God. And so, you know, the thing came in the mail. I saw it. That was from John. I had some few more things I had to do because I was at work. And I got done. And I went in what we called the upper room at, at our church. And uh, that's actually the same room God spoke to me told me Jim was my wife in. And, and, so, and so I was about to cry. That was awesome. Um, get together, son. Anyway, so I, I went... I went up there and I and I put that tape and the tape player up there. Do even all y'all even know what tapes are? Some of you young people in here. All right. So I put that cassette tape in there, right? Slammed it in there. Audio tape. Sorry. Put it in there and I hit play. And there's this man that started from the beginning of it. There's a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. And this is how uh, you know, basically, a sentence and a half in. This is what I heard. He's preaching on the judgment seat. And here's what he said. He said, "You can't patch up your prayer life when you get to the judgment seat." You can't sacrifice when you get to the judgment seat. You can't weep when you get to the judgment seat. It's all between here and there. This period we're in now is a dressing room for eternity. It's all it is. And I begin. Do you get that, gang? At this little time we got right now, that's all it is. It's a dressing room for eternity. That's it. So how are we going to carry ourselves? How are we going to conduct ourselves? How are we going to live this life? Are we going to live for ourselves? Or are we going to live for Jesus? Are you all with me? Stand to our feet, please. See, there's something about this that, gang, that we should all say, God, I want my life to count for not just today, but to count for eternity. 
listen, I can make all the money in the world. But guess what? That ain't going to eternity unless I learn how to be a giver. Amen? If you don't mind, just close your eyes. Man, the Holy Ghost is here. Man, listen, without any music playing, if there's anything that you need to say, God, I need to get it right with you in this moment, just in your own heart, begin to get it right with God. Anything that you need to repent of or saying, God, I've been living for the, the temporal and not the eternal. God, I've been looking at myself and not, and not you and not your people. Anything you need to work out, begin to work it out. Come on, Jesus. Come on, God, we're an open book. Not our heart's an open space for you. Talk to us, God. Talk to us, God. Jesus, forgive us. Gang, I'm going to tell you this. It's better to investigate yourself than to have him investigate you. It's like it's better to to audit your own taxes than the IRS coming. So, Father, we just pray today. In fact, if we can just lift our hands, just simple act of surrender. Father, we just say today, God, just as a church, as a family, as your sons and your daughters, God, if there's anything, God, that we have been living in that's just temporal. It's not that you're opposed to us having fun. God, you, you put that in us. It's not that you're opposed to us doing things that are recreational and, uh, you know, hanging out and, and building fellowship. But, Lord, just at the attention of our hearts, God, if it's just set on us and not you, then, Father, we ask, God, that you'd forgive us in Jesus' name. God, today, we just pray that as just as we investigate and examine our own hearts, God, if there's anything that we even need to call out to you and say, God, forgive me for that. And, God, we just pray today for the grace, the grace, the grace, and the enabling power of God to help us to come and live above those things. We ask you to do it in Jesus' name. God, in Jesus' name. God, we want to be a people, God, that uh, set examples, God, for the kingdom. God, we want to be people that understand that this is a dressing room for eternity, that one day we're going to stand before a holy God, and, God, we're going to be judged. And, God, that judgment is, isn't, once again, some hammer being dropped, but, God, it is an investigation. And, Lord, we want our lives to be something that's of worth. We want it to be gold. We want it to be silver. We want it to be precious stones, God. So, Father, whatever you need to do in our hearts, God, do it, God, do it, God, do it, God. God, teach us how to give Get on our face before you and say, Jesus, just change me. I know this may be a little different for some of you guys, but it's okay. Listen, I want to stress to you this. These things that we're talking about today is really the, they're the birth pains of personal revival. Of just having an obedient lifestyle and a holy lifestyle. And the truth is, before a revival can come to a region, it has to come to individuals. And so, Lord, I'm just asking today that we would just be first up. We'd be first in line. God is our church. We'd be first up. God, let personal revival happen in us. Purify us, Father. Purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. God, let us be holy as you are holy. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Listen, you put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed, please. If you're in this place today and you've, and you've never made that first step, man, the last thing we want you to do is to go in that, in that category of, of just an unbeliever. Today, if you're saying, man, I've got to get out of that category and I've got to get in the right line, 
You know, I got to get where, where, where I, I get to hang out with Jesus and receive rewards and not, and not, um, not judgment, not punishment. But, you know, that you want to go to heaven. You're saying, man, I don't want to go to hell. If you're saying today, man, I got to get right with God. I need to surrender today. Uh, just lift, lift both hands just so I can see you, please. If you say that for the first time, third time, it doesn't matter. Just say, man, I got to get right with God today. Is there anybody in the house today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. We're going to simply pray a prayer, and I'm going to tell you something today, church, that, that yes, it's in the words we say, but it's greater of what's in our hearts. So let's pray this today, and let's lead these people into the kingdom of God. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I confess that I've done it my way. But today, I repent, and I ask you to forgive me. Today, I surrender. And I give you all of me. I give you access to my heart. I give you access to my thoughts. I give you access to my words. Father, I ask you to forgive me. To cleanse me. To make me new. I confess today that Jesus is Lord. That he did die on the cross. That he did raise from the dead. And I believe that he made a way for me to come to you. He made a way for me to have a new start and a new beginning in life. So today, Holy Spirit, come, wash me clean. Come, save me. Set me free. Set me free from myself. Say this with me. Say, Father. Thank you for allowing me to become your son, become your daughter, to be a person that's in right standing with you. Draw me to deeper levels of intimacy of what it means to walk with you. Teach me what it means to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a shout of praise? Um, let me just say this. If you're here with us today, um, if you're visiting with us, thanks for coming. <laughs> um, we're certainly glad you guys came today. If you don't mind, there's a green card that's in the pocket seat in front of you. If you don't mind, take a second, fill that out. And if uh, you have a tithe or an offering today that you would like to give, uh, there's a box in the back uh, on your left when you leave. If you don't mind, slide that visitor card, slide a prayer request, or uh, slide an offering or your tithe in that, please. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, uh, my wife and I will be hanging down here. We'll be more than happy to pray for anybody that needs prayer for. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.